We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's Gilgis Alexander. McCollum staying with him. Spins, gets inside. Left-handed off the glass. Oh, what a sweet move. Giddy, tough spot. Back door. What a pass. What a play. And Jada picks the pocket of Trey Young. He'll take it himself. This is Dart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up, Thunder fans? And welcome to the Uncontested Postgame Podcast Edition. I am your host for tonight, Taylor Peterson. You can find me on social media at Taylor underscore P15. You can find us um, at the Uncontested at on all social media platforms at the underscore Uncontested. We are proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And if you don't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, be sure to su- uh, subscribe to our YouTube as we go live after almost every post game we do our weekly shows on Wednesdays and Sundays. We've had a ton of fun with that, a ton of fun interacting with all of you in the chat uh, when, when you all join live and be sure to uh, leave us a five-star rating. If you enjoy what we are doing, really appreciate all of your guys' support here this season. It's been a ton of fun and y'all have been awesome. Unfortunately, the Thunder were not so awesome tonight. As the Thunder's six-game win streak comes to an end as they lose to the Spurs, 132-118. to 118. Uh, The Spurs break their five-loss streak with this win. Obviously, not the best uh, <laughs> Thunder performance, as we will get into. But thank you to all of you that are already in the chat. Be sure to continue to drop your comments. Be sure to uh, drop me some questions. I'll be sure to to get into those as well. Like I mentioned, not a, a very fun game. After the Thunder were red hot coming out of the All-Star break, uh, we're playing so well. And tonight was kind of a abnormality. It, 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 I don't know. It was tough to see this team perform the way they did tonight in comparison to how they looked coming out of all coming out of the all-star break. I can't talk now. Uh, And the way that they performed coming into the all-star break as well. Um, I mean, again, I think we can just go ahead and and dive into some themes. I did something different here tonight. Uh, A lot of times we ask for your guys' questions to dive into uh, with the post-game podcast. 
Tonight, I wanted your guys' themes. I thought I would pick some of the best and break into those. And you all kind of were all aligned with these themes, as I was as well. Uh, there were some overreactions, of course, like trade Lou Dort. You, you can't play Lou and, and Giddy. Why are we playing Giddy? Some overreactions for sure. But that being said, I think a lot of us were all in line with our big themes. I'm just going to go ahead and dive into them. I think the biggest theme here probably for the entirety of the game was the Thunder's defense. It was horrific. Uh, the Spurs ranked last in the league on three-point percentage on the season at 34.4% on 36.23 three-point uh, attempts per game. Tonight, they shot 48% on 39 attempts. The Thunder's rotations just weren't crisp. Uh, we kind of saw that in the previous Rockets game uh, where in the first half they come out slow and then the defensive intensity really pick, picks up in the second half. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. I kind of, honestly, I, I we've kind of become accustomed to it to see this Thunder respond in the second half. That was not the case tonight. Uh, I was really hoping they would come out with more de defensive intens intensity and be able to guard the perimeter a little more. And the Spurs just continued to be red hot from three, they continued to make their shots, even when Wimby wasn't. And then Wimby just absolutely took over in the fourth quarter, which we will get into. Uh, but like I mentioned, 48.7% 48 on 39 three-point attempts tonight for the Spurs. The Spurs are the sixth worst team in the league in field goal percentage at 46% from the floor in the season. And tonight they shot 52.7% from the floor on 39 assists. They were just moving the ball, doing typical Spurs things that we've become accustomed to in the, the Popovich era, uh, era. Although they haven't done that so much, obviously, in this rebuilding season, the past couple of seasons. And tonight, I mean, they were making everything. They were making the right reads. They were making the extra passes. And the Thunder just weren't able to defend. Uh, the defensive intensity just wasn't there. A lot of you all mentioned, I mentioned uh, when I put that tweet out about some of the big takeaways from tonight's game. Uh, we got a couple of them, a couple of replies about the Thunder's point of attack defense, and it just was non-existent tonight. Shea played fine. Lou Dort was just non-existent on both ends of the floor. We'll, we'll get into him. But when you're not able to stop that point of attack defense, you're able to let the Spurs get into those offensive sets. That allows them to be able to create those three-point attempts that we saw tonight. Those wide-open three-point attempts, especially when they're playing through Wimby, who I thought did a really good job of even if he wasn't looking for his shot in the first half, he was making that extra read. They were able to create through him and through other players and just moving the ball around the perimeter in general, leading to those wide open three point shots when the thunder were doubling, uh, they, they were switching and the pick and roll and just the defensive rotations were not crisp at all. And the Spurs absolutely took advantage of that. And when they are getting that confidence early on and hitting those shots, I mean, it's game over. Uh, like I mentioned tonight, the Spurs were 52.7% from the floor on 39 assists. Um, and this, these are some stats from beat writer Paul Garcia uh, for the San Antonio Spurs. He mentioned some numbers that really kind of stand out and I think kind of take this point home. The Spurs had 57, point, 57 points from three. That ties a season best for the Spurs this season. They shot 49% from three, which ties the season best as well. They had, like I mentioned, 39 assists, which is a new season high for the Spurs. 
and they had a 132 points, like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, which is a, a new season high for the San Antonio Spurs this season. Uh, let's see, or sorry, 39 assists is the new season high for them. 132 points is a top five scoring game for the Spurs. They were just absolutely score. It, they were red hot from the floor, but at the same time, the Thunder defense just wasn't there. The the effort was not there at all. The intensity wasn't there. All the defensive things that we've become accustomed to from the Thunder, they seem to really lack that tonight, and they weren't able to respond the second half. Like I kind of thought that they were going to be able to. Uh, you compare those stats to the Thunder's shooting splits tonight. The Thunder were uh, 49% from the four and 29% from three. They were nine of 31. They took eight less three-point attempts in the Spurs and shot 29%. They were 9 of 31 from three. And when you're shooting so poorly, I mean, we'll, we'll get into some of these other themes, some of these individual players for the Thunder, their offensive uh, performances tonight, but just absolutely horrific. And uh, that will do it right there, honestly. I can end the podcast, but I'm not going to. There's more to get into. Uh, I promise they won't all be negative, but uh, that right there was just glaring to me. Those shooting splits and the lack of defensive intensity from the Thunder tonight in comparison to what we've seen from this Thunder team in general. Uh, they're a top five defensive rating team in the league. I don't have those stats pulled up either tonight. That was not the case at all. And like I mentioned, kind of getting into some individual performances, Lou Dort. Another really bad performance from Lou. Two straight. I mean, he has been incredible this season. We we even talked about it. On Wednesday night's show, we talked about it on Sunday night's show, just Lou Dort's performance, how he's taking he's taking uh, better shots. He's, he's taking shots from the flow of the offense. When he's driving, he's doing it within the flow of the offense, and he's finishing better around the rim. We'll be seeing two straight games now of very, very poor performances from Lou. Honestly, on both sides of the floor, I mean, I understand he was better defensively against the Rockets, but tonight, I mean... He was matched up against a, a a plethora of different players for the Spurs. But there was no one single player that he was really locked into. And I almost wonder, and some of you mentioned this as well, when I mentioned my previous tweet asking about some of these big themes of the game. When Lou doesn't have that player to really lock in on, on the def defensive end of the floor, he's not really assigned like one defensive assignment. It seems to hinder his offensive game as well. When he's locked in on the defensive end of the floor, we tend to see him play better offensively. And that's just, I, I don't have those stats either. That's just a stat off the top of my head for a post-game, or a uh, thought off the top of my head for a post-game podcast. Something I would love to dive into. Like when Lou has a, a premier defensive line, or a defensive assignment, whether it's Paul George or James Harden or who, Jason Tatum, whoever it may be. What does that look like? Uh, what does his offense performance look like on the other end of the floor? Um, because tonight, he didn't have that defensive assignment. He had eight points on three of eight from the floor, one of six from three. And a lot of those, not a lot of those, but probably half of those came in the fourth quarter and critical uh, possessions for the Thunder. It seemed like he was taking those. I mean, they were rushed, uh, and it really killed the flow of the offense. It, it, it killed the Thunder comeback, essentially, in the fourth quarter. Looking at his last two games, I pulled this up as well. 
Lewis shooting four of 17 from the field, two of 11 from three after shooting nearly 50% from the from three for the month of February. Uh, obviously, he's been great, but these last two games have just been horrific. Uh, he had three consecutive, kind of going back to what I mentioned earlier, I do have this stat here, had three consecutive three-point attempts down the stretch that he missed, and that was just absolutely killer, especially when the Spurs were hitting those outside shots and Wimby took over in the fourth. Dort's three-point attempts there in the fourth quarter really killed the flow of the offense when the Thunder had a shot to really make a push. Um, let's see. I had this as well. Sorry. I'm going back through my screenshots here. But so one of these, uh, I, I tweet this out from the pod account about a horrific shot selection from Dort, a step, step back from Dort that he missed. But the Thunder were still down only Three points, 112 to 109 with 613 to go. From there, there was a, let's see, Trey Jones beats the shot clock with a three, and then Wimby pulls that 28-foot deep three-point attempt that just kind of, he is fed off of that to end that fourth quarter and just absolutely close the thunder out. Uh, 122 to 113 with 323 to go. The Spurs were up, and it, the Spurs just took over from there. And that just kind of goes back to my, my point about Lou Dort. I thought those three-point attempts were critical there in the fourth and really just killed the flow of the offense when the Thunder really had an opportunity to make a push. Uh, dub, we saw him come in in the fourth quarter and do some dub things. The Thunder actually got the lead back in the fourth quarter early on because Dub came in towards the end of the third and was taking those mid-range shots. Uh, he had some incredible mid-range shots, even over Wimby. Uh, it was just unstoppable, but... That kind of faded away there in the fourth quarter when guys like Lou Dort were, were putting up those three-point attempts uh, and just completely disrupted the flow of the offense. And again, like I mentioned, it was just absolutely killer. Uh, I promise not all my themes are going to be negative. However, before we go any further, let's go ahead and dive into our sponsors for tonight's podcast we're super excited to partner with both of these restaurants. You all have talked or heard us talk about these over the past couple of weeks, and we are super excited to partner with them. The first, obviously, being Dave's Hot Chicken, the East Hollywood pop sensation turned fast casual superstar. Dave's Hot Chicken is now serving Oklahoma and Bricktown, Edmond, and coming soon to Chisholm Creek. They're going to be all over in the OKC Metro, so no excuse, regardless where you live in the OKC Metro to be able to go and check them out. Their mouth-watering sliders and tenders are offered at seven spice levels, ranging from no spice to Reaper. That Reaper is serious. Uh, I get the hot sometimes, and that's enough for me. I can only imagine the next two spice levels. Each piece of hand-breaded chicken is spiced to order using a blend of crafted spe uh, specifically for its heat level or no spice at all. Along with sides of house-made kale slaw, creamy mac and cheese, or mac and cheese is fantastic, and crispy seasoned fries, which you can add some cheese to as well. I would highly recommend that. Not to mention their new Dave's Not Chicken, cauliflower, cauliflower slices that taste just like Dave's Hot Chicken, but they're not. Visit Dave's Hot Chicken in Bricktown right next to Fuzzy's Taco Shop before or after the next Thunder game. It's a perfect spot. But if you're not in the mood for Dave's Hot Chicken, we got another place that you can visit as well, right there next across the street from the arena. I love going to this spot because it's very close to where I work downtown, and that is Spark. 
Dive into their menu of burgers, bites, and cool delights. Don't skip the must-try BLC burger, the pink fries I love so much. I continue to be a proponent of them switching the pink fries to blue fries come playoff season. Uh, Frozen Peach Club Special, I haven't tried that yet, but I see it back there when I'm ordering, and it looks absolutely fantastic. Be a great pregame primer before you head to the Thunder game. And obviously, their rotating custard flavor of the month. Their custards are phenomenal. They're located directly west of the Paycom. Like I mentioned, and Spark is the best spot to hit before or after a Thunder game. We all know two scoops or even three scoops of custard is better than one. So be on the lookout for Spark number two and three coming to Chisholm Creek and Nichols Hills later this spring and summer. And then we're going to take a quick ad break here. And we'll be back to touch on the rest of these teams from the Thunder game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. And we are back, and I am back to uh, break down some more themes. Uh, this next one is not any more optimistic, unfortunately. Josh Giddy is another player that I think we really need to touch on tonight. I know we've talked a lot about Josh throughout the majority of the season, but Josh has been playing really well out of the All-Star break. In fact, I thought the, the game against the Houston Rockets here a couple of nights ago was one of his best games of the season. Um, tonight was not necessarily the case. Two points, two rebounds, two assists, one of five from the court, O of three from three teammates. And I thought he kind of said it best. He had a tweet that he tweeted out from his personal account, whatever you want to call them, post on X. They're still tweets. Come on. And he said that he thought Giddy played great against Rockets two nights ago, but he mentioned that Josh needs to find a way to be consistent. These stinkers after a good game have become the norm. And again, I don't have these stats pulled up just because it's a post-game podcast. I'm trying to get content out for all of you. But it does seem to be a theme this season where Josh plays really well and then follow, it, it, he just can't find that consistency. And unfortunately, I thought he was finding that out of the All-Star break. And look, this isn't like Josh Gay lost the, the game for the Thunder. I'm not sure he was much worse than a lot of these players that we've touched on and will continue to get in to here later in the podcast. but when Josh is playing poorly and not hitting his outside shots and, and, and not creating offense combined with Lou Dort, who 
obviously already touched on and was playing pretty horrific from the offensive end of the floor. It, it's just really hard to play those two together. Uh, I looked up the lineup stats. I think that starting lineup with Lou and Josh in it are like a plus 1.6 uh, on the season and plus minus rating. Obviously not terrible. Uh, I wish I was able to pull up the last two games. I'd be very, or e- even the last couple of games since, or th- the last game since the All-Star break, I think it would be much, much different. Um, but it, it seemed like a lot of you talked about marked ro- rotations. And, and honestly, I get that. Um, I'm certainly there with you all as well. But at the same time, like Mark didn't have a ton of options tonight. Uh, I'll get into rotations here a bit later before I rattle off all the rotation, the the minutes for each player. But he certainly seemed to lean into that starting lineup. Josh Giddy and Lou Dort playing together specifically against the Spurs, almost like it's an inferior op- opponent. And let's see if they can work out those kinks. And that certainly wasn't the case at all tonight. Uh, Josh was continuing to be picked on defensively, uh, which is really unfortunate because I thought he played so well defensively these past couple of games against the Rockets uh, where he was much more engaged. He was uh, trying hard defensively. And again, this isn't singling out Josh Giddy. Like, I mean, the, the Thunder as a whole, each player really struggled defensively and that defensive intensity wasn't there. But the Spurs certainly took advantage of Josh Giddy being on the floor, especially starting their center yet again. We've seen this a lot um, guarding Josh. And that kind of took the Thunder out of rhythm just to begin the game. And, and really, uh, it, it allowed Wimby to roam and pack the paint, which I think led to, I mean, I understand Shea had another 30-point game. We'll get into him. But when they're, I mean, this Thunder team's at their best when they're pushing the pace in transition and they're getting into the paint. And when you have a center on Josh and you allow a player like Wimby to be able to just roam in the paint, I mean, it's almost impossible for players like, like uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander and Dub to be able to drive into paint into the paint and get their shots, get to their spots, and do what they do best. And so uh, when Josh and and Dort both are playing like they were, that led to some of the offensive inefficiencies that I mentioned to you earlier for the Thunder because they just weren't able to get to their to do their spots tonight. And, and again, that's not just a Josh thing. I want to be able to point that out, but especially when Lou's playing as poorly as as he is offensively, just wasn't there. And the Thunder bench lineups also, right? Even when Josh was in, like Gordon Hayward was pretty horrific. We'll, we'll get into the bench. I thought Isaiah, Isaiah Joe played well. Uh, Jay Will played fine before his, his injury that he had there. Uh, I don't think it's anything serious, thankfully. But even then, like Josh isn't able to find his footing because – of the, the players that he's playing with in those lineups that just don't allow him to play to his, to his strengths. Like we've seen coming out of the all-star break prior to this loss, but that's probably enough on Josh. Let's go ahead and get into Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh, Shea, the, pretty crazy. You look at his stat line in the first half. He was four eleven from the floor with 12 points at halftime. And I tweeted out for my personal account. Well, this is probably going to be uh, the first game in a long time where Shea Gildas Alexander does not score 30 points. Well, per usual, I was wrong. <laughs> At the end of the third, he had 27 points on 10 of 19 shooting. Just absolutely sh- absurd. Went from 4 of 11 from the floor at halftime 
to 10 of 19 to end the third quarter. He had two huge dunks there. Probably the biggest, like maybe the most aggressive explosive dunk that we've seen from Shea uh, where he drove, uh, I believe it was off the left wing, drove and, and rose up. And you could just tell like all the frustration was pinted up, slammed it one-handed with his right hand. I can't remember who it was over. Huge dunk. Then he had a very, very similar dunk a couple of possessions later. And uh, we haven't seen that from Shea. And like I mentioned, I think there was a lot of pent-up frustration from the way that the game was going. That was great to see. Uh, however, he ended with 31 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 12 of 22 from the floor, but only 3 attempts in the 4th quarter. That's exactly what you want. If you are a Spurs fan or if you're the Spurs coaching staff or Spurs players, they held Shea to only three attempts in the fourth quarter. I think he came back in with a little less than like six minutes left. I think he, at about the six-minute mark, went to the scorer's table uh, to to check in and probably got in, I don't know, uh, I don't, 30 seconds later. Uh, it wasn't a huge gap there before he did check in, but still, like the, th- the, the Thunder, the Spurs held him to only three attempts in the fourth. That's just absolutely absurd and really stood out to me. He had a still in a block. But he had four fouls. And again, a lot of frustration frustration from Shea tonight. I think we really saw that uh, play out throughout the game. You could just tell he was very uncomfortable in the Spurs. Did a fantastic job packing that paint, like I mentioned, and making sure that guys like Dub and Shea and so many others, Josh Giddy, weren't able to get to the rim. Uh, and yeah, he struggled with the Spurs, packing the paint. And he kind of took a back seat there, especially in that first half when Chet played really well. And he just wasn't quite able to get his footing. It almost seemed like, you know, we've talked so much about Shea, Dub, especially Chet. Like, gosh, especially that that, uh, that last Rockets game a couple of nights ago where the big three have just been playing so well off of one another. The chemistry just wasn't there tonight because of the Spurs, how they were guarding the Thunder. It very much felt like your turn, my turn, kind of like the old Thunder, Thunder 1.0. And uh, I, I think the Spurs just executed their defense plan to just about perfection. And Shea only getting three shot attempts in the fourth quarter, I think really kind of leads to that story. Now, Chet versus Wimby, obviously, is going to be the big theme of any Thunder Spurs game. And honestly, it was pretty impressive. Although Chet really kind of falled off in the fourth quarter, which we'll get into. Chet had 23 points. Seven rebounds, five assists. He was eight of 12 from the floor on only one of four from three. But the biggest thing for Chet, and we talk, talk so much about this with Shea, we've talked about with, with Dub, and really any superstar in the league. The biggest thing for these players to be able to take that next leap offensively is getting to the line more, drawing fouls, and being able to get to the line. And Chet did that tonight. He was six of six from the free throw stripe, which is incredibly impressive. Meanwhile, Wemby had 28 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists, 5 blocks, 2 steals on 5 of 7 from 3. And a lot of those, a handful of those came in the fourth quarter when he really put the exclamation point. Excuse me. And that's first win. And really just his dominance there, whether it was the playmaking or the scoring, that's really what closed the door. I think they're in the fourth quarter uh, on the Thunder. I mean, Wimby was just fantastic there to close the game. Uh, he, this is also from Paul, 
Paul Garcia, I believe. Uh, let's see. Wimby becomes the first player in NBA history with 25 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, five blocks, and five three-pointers in a game, which is just absolutely absurd. Going back to Chet, though, he had 19 points, three rebounds at the half, six of seven from the floor, but he ended with only four points the entire second half, only five field goal attempts uh, compared to that first half dominance that he had. The Thunder just went away from him. They went away from Shea, obvious, or I don't know if they went away from Shea as much as Shea just wasn't um, looking for his shots there as much in that fourth quarter. But I mentioned, you know, Shea only getting four field goal attempts in the fourth. Chet only getting four points and five field goal attempts in the second half, the third and fourth quarter. That tells you the story of the game. They went away from their best players. And a lot of that is on Mark. A lot of that is on the other players for the Thunder. But they went away from what was working in the first half. They went away from their best players. And when you do that and the Spurs are, are performing so well offensively from outside and, and Wimby, it, it, that leaves the door open for Wimby to do what he did there down the stretch of the fourth quarter to be able to really just close the door on the Thunder. So obviously there's a lot of rookie of the year thoughts, Chess. Chet versus Wimby tonight, and this wasn't a, a as well as Chet played as a whole, as good as his stat line looks. Obviously, the national media is going to be all over another incredible Wimby highlight reel, and the fact that Wimby was able to close the game for the Spurs against the Thunder there down the stretch. Um, it's pretty frustrating, especially there in that first half. I think Chet had a a great pull up. I can't remember if it was a three or just a pull up two. But the NBA account says, you know, something along the lines of Chet with a great pull-up shot over a def- over the defender. Won't even call out Wimby. But if the roles if the roles were changed or, or flopped, and it was Wimby hitting the shot over Chet, we already know what it would be. the The NBA account would be tweeting about Wimby big shot over Chet Holmgren. Right, it's all about the narrative. It's all about trying to drive the ratings because they want Wimby to be the next face of the league, and they need those those ratings now more than ever, especially as they head into this new these new negotiations uh, for the new TV deal coming up, which is huge for the league. And it, anyways, there's a lot to break down there, but it, it is frustrating to see, and it's very unfortunate not only with the Thunder loss, <laughs> but the fact and is a very Homer take here. But the fact that Wimby was able to close the game like he did, because that's all we're going to see on social media. That's all we're going to see in the talk shows tomorrow, right? Like this is what the, the league wanted. Um, so yeah, Wimby played another incredible game. I thought Chet did as well, but it's just so unfortunate that the Thunder really went away from him in the in the second half or that he just wasn't quite as assertive. Uh, not only him, but Shea. I mean, again, all these teams kind of funneled together. The Thunder just weren't nearly as assertive. They weren't playing their brand of basketball. I just have some like brief thoughts to round out my big themes before I get into some of these comments. I'll be sure to go through all those. Thank you all for, again, it's a loss here at 11:14 uh, central time and you all are blowing up the comments and that makes my job so much easier when I'm doing a solo post game. So I really appreciate that. But before I get into those comments, questions, etc. uh, some of the themes that you all wanted me to touch on uh, briefly, I'll touch on Gordon Hayward. He certainly seems to be still a little uncomfortable. 
he's we talked uh, a couple nights ago about him playing solid defense and uh, making the right reads, not but just still has that feeling of not wanting to step on his his teammates' toes, still trying to fill out the rotation and and you know where he fits within the lineups. But tonight he really did play poorly. Uh, let's see, Gordon Hayward had zero points, one rebound, one assist, zero of three from the four in twelve minutes. Um, let's see, he was a plus minus minus seven. Uh, it just, I don't know. Gordon did not play a good game. Looked very uncomfortable out there. Uh, you all wanted me to touch on him. So I'm just touching on him here a little bit. I am not concerned super long-term, but I did tweet out from the count half sarcastically. When Mike Muscala clears waivers here in about 24 hours and all signs point to him signing back with OKC. I don't know. Muskie getting those minutes where get, Gordon Hayward has been playing. I, I'm not saying that he should get those. I, I think Gordon needs to continue get, to get those minutes uh, for him to become more comfortable and for the Thunder to be at their best come playoff time. But I think he can play Muskie and Chet together. I'd love to see that. We saw Muscala really, really improve defensively uh, with his his shot protection around the rim on the defensive end of the floor. And obviously he can space the floor with those three-point attempts that Gordon has kind of been struggling with since he's been with the Thunder post-All-Star break. Like it's something to think about. And certainly interesting. Gives the Thunder additional options uh, down the stretch if they don't is willing to lean into those. A lot of y'all, and that's kind of the, the other thing. Brief rotation thoughts. You all wanted me to touch on this as well. And uh, look, Josh Giddy didn't have a good game, but he played only 18 minutes. He didn't play a ton of minutes. And honestly, especially when nobody else from the bench outside of Isaiah Joe was really stepping up, I don't think that's necessarily a terrible. I mean, I don't think Mark had a lot of options tonight, given the way that the team was playing. Uh, Isaiah Joe had 22 minutes to Josh Giddy's 18. Jay Will, again, he was playing fine, had 11 minutes. Gordon Hayward had 12 when he was playing so poorly. Uh, so that's certainly something that's worth pointing out. When Aaron Wiggins only got 11 minutes, uh, he didn't have a stellar game by any means, but had four points, three rebounds, two or three from the floor, only gets 11 minutes. Kenrich. Gosh, I, I probably should have added him into my negative names from tonight's podcast. Kendrick continues to struggle so much. He just is, does not quite look like the same player that we saw from last season. Uh, I think our guys in our Slack, our group message, they were mentioned. Uh, somebody asked, like, when was the last time? I think it was Nick. He said, when was the last time that you came away from a game thinking, wow, Kendrick played awesome, or he played really well? And I can't think of one this season. That's not to say he hasn't had good games this season, but in comparison to the the, the past couple of seasons, like Kendrick has obviously played very poorly. He's not finding uh, his offensive production like we've become accustomed to, especially when he's in those small uh, small ball lineups outside of small disclaimer. The Rockets game a couple of nights ago when he hit those three straight three point shots which were huge for the team and then case wallace uh, another player he came in in that first half and was awesome he had three points three rebounds three assists on the night it was only one of three from the floor but he had four steals i think he had three of those steals all there like in that that in between the first quarter and second quarter and then from there he just kind of fell off he ended up with 15 <clears throat> excuse me 15 minutes off the bench so he was the second leading bench uh, player in minutes behind Isaiah Joe, who 
played really well as a whole. So I get everybody's frustrations with the minutes. My only counter to that is that, like, how many options did Mark really have tonight? Uh, we saw Isaiah Joe get more minutes than Josh Giddy, and we saw Kaysen play only three minutes less than Josh. I get the frustrations with Lindy Waters. I've been all over that early in the season, but he only got like what I think it was like one minute there in the first half. Um, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at with the rotations. I I get the frustrations of Mark leaning into the Dort and Giddy lineups together against a team like the Spurs, an inferior opponent, trying to work out those kinks and see if it can work. At the same time, tonight, it was really a full-team effort on both ends of the floor that they didn't perform at their best, and he didn't have a ton of options. So that's kind of where I'm at there with the lineups. So I think I covered a lot. Uh, I'm going to quickly get through some of these comments and questions. Ibrahim, uh, longtime listener, always in the, the live stream. I appreciate him. He said, trade Lou Dort and Josh Gideon the offseason and give Shea Isobal the whole game, please. Yeah, I understand those frustrations. Uh, Matt Noonan, another longtime listener, said Isaiah Joe should play 48 minutes. Maybe going back to my previous points on rotations, Isaiah Joe probably should have got more minutes there. Uh, maybe that is what it takes to uh, kind of get over that that scoring hump, uh, that scoring, I don't know what you want to call it, the cap, the scoring cap that the Thunder really struggled to break through, the, the ceiling that they struggled to break through tonight. Uh, I get that, but at the same time, I don't think that's necessarily <laughs> anywhere close to the reason the Thunder lost the game. Let's see. Uh Ibrahim says he's getting heavily trolled on Twitter right now. Yes, uh, Twitter is a very X is a very dark place when it comes to losses and just trolls. There's not much civil basketball discourse anymore. Uh, I would recommend to ignore all of that until the Thunder hopefully rebound and win against the Suns coming up here in a couple of days. Garrett mentions Dort's missing four clutch threes in a row and letting the cell drop 30 on him. Yeah, that's the other thing. I haven't even talked about really much about the Spurs outside of Wemby. Devin Vassell was just fantastic as well. Um, 28 points, 12 of 20 from the four, three of six from three. It's not like he was just torching the thunder from outside, although he's 50% from three. He's doing a little bit of all of it. My guy, David said the defense has been awful a lot this year, especially against bad teams on the road. Bad January habits, that will get you beat in the playoffs carrying over tonight. Yeah, they got to be able to lock in consistently, but we've seen this team do that. Um, I'm hoping tonight was an outlier, and we'll see them kind of get back to that uh, here moving forward against the Suns and the Lakers on the back-to-back in a couple of nights. That being said, even though they rattled off wins against two straight wins against the Rockets, we saw them struggle early on defensively. And so that's certainly something to keep an eye on. And then Jason here provides some pretty good context. One loss, we aren't supposed to be nowhere close to where we are anyways. Just enjoy the ride. Sadly, Wimby and the Spurs cooked us tonight. It happens. I think that's it is extremely fair. One more I want to get into is Kevin, Kevin Scott. He always comments uh, in our YouTube after we upload our podcast. I'll get into his comment here as well before we get out of here. After Mark goes over the video of the team's poor D, Dub show, uh, should point out Mark's bad coaching. Refs blew four Spurs turnovers, three on Wimby. They're demanding a review, and Mark is disinterested. I'm not sure I'm completely there. Um, we've seen Mark be fantastic, be fantastic this season. 
I understand the frustrations. I got into some of that with the rotations. But again, like what other options did he really have? Even if he plays Isaiah Joe way more minutes in the second half and doesn't play Giddy, maybe the Thunder squeak out a win by like two or three points. But I think the overall themes of this game still stand. Again, there's a ton of other comments in here, but I'm already going long. I really appreciate all of you for tuning in to the Uncontested Postgame Podcast Edition. Like I said, especially when we're going solo, your guys, are, your all's comments and and questions make this so much more fun and, and enjoyable, even in a not-so-enjoyable game. So appreciate all of you all for tuning in. We will have you covered moving forward. Like I mentioned, let's see here. This is terrible podcasting, but I want to make sure I get this right. Uh, so, Sunday night. They play the Suns. They get a couple of nights off, which I think is very big after a loss like this. Hopefully we see them come back and, like I said, rebound and, and perform to a level we're much more accustomed to from this Thunder team. On Sunday, it's a late game. 8.30 tip-off because they are in uh, or they're in the West Coast. We will still be live with our weekly group podcast, breaking down the Suns game, looking ahead to the back-to-back that they will have with the Lakers coming Monday. So be sure to to tune in. We'll have you all covered. Um, hopefully we'll have a ton of fun Sunday after a Thunder win, Thunder bounce back victory. Appreciate all of you again for tuning in, subscribing, listening on the podcast feeds, all of the above. Another big shout out to our sponsors, Spark and Dave's Hot Chicken. And until Sunday, and as always, Thunder up. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.